Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We are starting our very last full book to look at, the book of Acts. It is actually, if my memory serves me right, the longest in terms of chapters uh, of the books of the New Testament. It shares the same amount of chapters as Matthew at least. So uh, it'll take us uh, the rest of this month, I believe most if not all of February to get through it, uh, but, but we will. And then after Acts, all we have left is I think six or seven chapters of Hebrews. And we will have officially looked at every chapter of the New Testament. So that is quite exciting. That was not the original plan when we started this. Uh, I, I really thought we would do this for about four weeks and be done. And four weeks has turned into 52 weeks. So um, we, we are almost there. And as we think about it, um, the hopefully by the time we're done with this, much of the vaccine will be out there. Things will start opening up. We'll be back to some form of normal. Well, let's start in Acts 1, verse 1, and, and you need to remember that Luke and Acts are essentially one book. Think of it as Act 1, Acts 2. Let's put it that way. Um, so Luke is the gospel, which tells the story of Jesus' birth, ministry, death, resurrection. Acts tells the story of what happens after the ascension of Jesus. So Acts 1, we get his ascension. Acts 2, we get the ascension of the Spirit, and then we get the birth of the church and what happens in the years following. So we begin in Jerusalem, we will conclude in Rome. And it shows the Western expansion, particularly through Paul, but also through Peter, uh, of the gospel. And as we'll see, Luke is an eyewitness for, for a good chunk of it. But if you were to compare Luke 1, the first four verses, and Acts 1, the first two or three verses, you'll find there's a lot of parallels. Uh, because Luke writes as a historian, not as an eyewitness, particularly in the gospels, but as a historian. He goes and talks to eyewitnesses. We've talked about this. So, Acts reminds us of, of that approach. So Acts 1, in the first book, O Theophilus. Theophilus is, is probably a proper name. It means lover of God, so it could be a generic term for, for someone who has a different name. But most, your translation probably has it um, as a proper noun, O Theophilus. Uh, so it's a capital T. Um, he is possibly the one that financed the research and the writing. Uh, um, paper, papyri, was, was very expensive at this time. And these are two very long books, so they, these would be um, very expensive to write. So in, in the first book, speaking of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. It's a good summary of, of the Gospel of Luke. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Right? That's, that's the Gospel of Luke. And now we're ready for what's going to happen in Acts. And I want to skip down to verse 6. We get the ascension. When they had come together, they asked, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, we, we've talked about this in other settings. It's clear that uh, the disciples still kind of don't get it. They still think of the kingdom of God in temporal, perhaps even political uh, terms. That Jesus is going to set up his kingdom, and he's going to lay a smack down on the Romans. And that's, that's, that's not what the kingdom ever was. It was it's the kingdom of peace, uh, and it's an eternal kingdom. Yes, it is here and now, and we believe that. It's also uh, then and there, and we're waiting for it to be fully realized. So Jesus said to them, verse 7, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And it is there, much like we did all of a discourse last week, to remind everyone, stop making predictions. Stop particularly putting dates on when Jesus is going to come back. Just stop. 
right? I don't know. Jesus tells us multiple times not to do that, and yet we still think we're the exception. Verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. That right there is the basic outline of the book of Acts. Yes, there's theological implications there. So you, what you've heard it preached is um, we, we begin in our immediate uh, circle, and then we, we branch out. And that's how the gospel works, yes. But it works primarily as a Great Commission calling that is that serves simultaneously as the outline of the book of Acts. So in Acts 2, you get the um, uh, gospel is preached in Jerusalem, people believe. Then it spreads to Judea, and then we, it ends up in, among the Samaritans. And then it goes to the Gentile world, so the rest of the world. So we begin here in Jerusalem, we end in Rome. Right, so, so the book ends fulfilling this this commandment. Verse 9, he, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In a nutshell, what these angels say is, why do you keep looking into heaven? He'll come back. In the meantime, you've got work to do. Get to it. And he's right. Yes, we look to heaven and we long for the day that he will return. We talked about that in the various Oliver Discourses in our study of Revelation. But in the meantime, we've, we've got work to do. And that work is laid out in Acts 1.8. That power will be unleashed unto you. You'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth. Um, and for the rest of the chapter is the choosing of Judas's replacement. It is striking how lengthy this is. It's, it's uh, verses 12 all the way down to 26. It's, it's, it's half of the chapter is about replacing Judas. So uh, there's uh, some controversy here. I, 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 I don't think it's really worth us exploring. Uh, notice verse 14. All these with one accord, uh, so he, he lists the, the, the twelve disciples minus Judas, all of these eleven uh, with one accord is how we know that the apostles drove Hondas. Okay, um, they were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. This is a radical picture for, uh, for the first century religious movement. It was the apostles, it was the women, it was family, it was everyone. Um, coming together, devoting themselves to prayer, seeking the will and the way of God. And you'll notice here, it's not only Mary, the mother of Jesus, but also Jesus' brothers who are, who are there. Go back to our study of the four Gospels, you'll find that they were among the earliest critics of Jesus. Now, following the resurrection, they are among the first to convert to the cause of Christ. And it is one of those brothers, James, who will be a significant leader in Jerusalem, uh, and uh, which he wrote the, God, the, the the book of James, but then there is also um, his other half brother Jude, who Judah, who wrote uh, uh, the book named after him, the short epistle before Revelation. So they end up choosing. Um, they they have two before him. Uh, one is Joseph called Barsabbas. I may do some research on him. I don't really know anything about this guy. Uh, of course, he's not mentioned again in the New Testament. Uh, but I have no doubt there's plenty of traditions about him, most of which probably isn't true. And then uh, they cast lots, and it falls on Matthias. They trust in the sovereign providential grace of God to choose for them uh, Judas's replacement. Now, um, 
what we have in Acts is Judas is replaced, so the church is launched with 12 apostles. I believe the, the symmetry with the 12, uh, 12 uh, tribes is purposeful. What you have is a new Israel. Um, so, so Israel is essentially fulfilled here. Um, but when each apostle dies, they're not replaced. So when uh, James the apostle dies, he's not replaced by Joseph called Barsabbas, right? He's, he's not replaced by that. Timothy doesn't replace Paul. Um, so as a Baptist, I don't hold to apostolic succession, uh, although that was a major debate early on. Um, and the Catholic Church certainly holds to it now in that the Pope is um, basically the Apostle Peter. You know, so in Catholicism, you're down to one apostle. In Mormonism, there's technically 13. They have their 12 apostles in Salt Lake City, but then they still believe John the Apostle uh, is still alive out there somewhere, roaming the earth. I don't know what he's doing. Um, and uh, charismatic movements hold to apostolic succession, so your pastor may be an apostle. I have very strong feelings about that, but um, as a Baptist, we don't hold to that. So Matthias is the last and the only person to replace one of the apostles. So with that, Lord willing, tomorrow, or Monday, I should say, we will look at the uh, uh, arrival of the Holy Spirit and uh, the planting of the first church. Have a good weekend. Hope to see you Monday.